Let us have our hour of normalcy, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you, buddy. <laughs> always, it's always one of the highlights of my week. If not the high, well, you know, I got a daughter. She's she counts to ten in English now. It's such an amazing thing. I don't She's know. How, I don't know how to explain. Like in English, she just I never taught her. I don't know how she knows this. Dude, she's um, you got you to gotta make sure, man, that she gets the best education possible. She's gonna she's gonna go very far in life. She's walking the dog at like what eleven months. She, well, what? she's almost. Well, she was. Yeah. Now she's she. Her birthday is next month, so she's turning two. But she still walks the dog. She's very, like, she, she's. It's amazing to watch a person develop oh, fast. I know. Like she, she's just. It's amazing how much she's growing into just the snippets I hear from you and, you know, obviously your Instagram, you uh, keep all your friends, you know, mm. pictor, uh, pictorially informed of <laughs> yeah. how she's growing up and counting to 10. Yeah. Unbelievable. In any language. It's just like, I don't think I could count to 10 at less than two. I don't think I could. It's, it's, I don't even know what I was doing it to. Was I still smelling my ass? Like, was I sticking <laughs> my finger to my ass and smelling it? I don't even know what I was doing it to. I certainly wasn't walking the dog and counting to 10. Yeah, it's that much. And it just blows your mind. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, she's just counting. You know, like, because like she she yeah. doesn't pronounce the words fully. So it takes a mm -hmm. moment to, like, are you fucking counting over there? Is that what you're doing? Oh, just looks at you and smiles like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am dead. She flips you a peace sign with <laughs> a little tip of fingers. <laughs> she, pulls a, she pulls a little like um, golf pen out of her ear and what she's doing, she's tabulating all the mistakes I've done over the <laughs> over like the, the two years already. This is what she, I'm to tell my therapist she... about. <laughs> you know? Oh God, she's like a little Woody Allen. <laughs> just, just gathering things to say to her analyst later. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my father was very didactic. He was, uh, he was, he was a wonderful man. But he was awfully, <laughs> um, yeah. like she just takes the pen from behind her ear and she 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 holds it out to you, and when you reach for it, she does like a mic drop with it. It's like what? Oh. Bitch? She comes back. She's like, what up? So I I do something or say something. The pen just comes out, and she scribbles something on the wall. And I look over. I can't read it. She's just like. That's for it's me. Okay. It's okay, Dad. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, maybe I'll send her to a boarding school in Switzerland. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll do. No, Get her the best do education in the world. Don't do anything related to this. I, I don't want to be unkind. Don't. But this story. Oh my I, God. I'm really looking forward to talk. We're talking about Switzerland. Right here in the oh, New God. Yorker. That's the in the uh, September 21st issue. It's by Nicole Krauss. I'm gonna put my cards on the table. I liked it, and I'm I'm apprehensive to say that because I'm I'm so insecure these days with my writing and like because oh. so many of these stories I read and I just come away without an opinion. Is it good? Is it not good? It's better than anything I can do. So I kind of go, it's a story, I guess. And then you have a much stronger opinion about it, and I'm like, oh, maybe my opinion. Like I'm intimidated by how 
strong your opinions are on these pieces uh, in some uh, way. I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to intimidate. It's like, I, I don't no. even know what ground I'm standing on. Frustration, uh-huh. I guess. <laughs> I, I'm expecting, like, everyone who listens has the full right to just say, and what and how many great books have you written, asshole? And you know, I'd be like, I, I got no defense. I'm just, you know, I'm just uh-huh. but yeah, I don't really have any ground to stand on when I criticize it. I just feel it very strongly. I don't know how to explain it Which otherwise. Which is great. Like that's that's really important, you know. And I because I've been lacking that that feeling, and I I actually came about away from this piece with some you know feelings about it. But maybe, and I think it also has to do with where you are and what you're trying to achieve. Like I said before, I'm hunting. Right. Like I'm looking to steal right now so much because uh, I'm working on stuff. And I think while I'm working on stuff, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to enjoy other people's work because I'm trying to achieve something. And then so stories that have something in it that I, I like that I that I'm like, oh, I can use that. Maybe that's what more what I'm grown to uh, like. Uh, prone to what? What about you? Are you similar? Is that or is that just me? I don't um, I don't know if I should be rooting around the way you are. I probably should like looking for looking for uh, as it were. Mod- I think you've you've always looked for we both you and I and I mm-hmm. think everyone else who's written looked for inspiration, look for guidance in other people's work in the. In the in the works of people who essentially do the same work that we do, yeah. really do it personally and differently in their own way. I've never, never. I, I really don't think I ever have read a contemporary uh, work without some kind of contempt. And I, I I don't know. It's just I have a what 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 an old time English speaker might say, I have a cussed streak in me a mile long. I think I I think I hate them for being better than me mm-hmm. at navigating the literary marketplace. You know, if Jonathan Franz and uh Toni Morrison when she was alive in a contemporary as it were, or at least she was still writing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh I, I just despise them, you know. Really? Um, even even the the top because I, I get oh, not feeling... McCarthy. It's, it's a weird thing about uh-huh. Cormac McCarthy. It's like, he's so good. I mean, he's so unimpeach- unimpeachably... Right. ...gigantic. Right. And it, I, guess that's the, I guess that's the difference. Like, think about what Moby Dick is. Moby Dick, on its surface, is a, is a, a building's Roman. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a it's a it's a coming of age story uh, that takes place at sea. Why in God's name is it? So, yeah, baby. Why in God's name is it so good? Well, part of the reason why is that it, it takes that classic uh, 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 Roman that, that that novelistic theme anyway, that they use the word wrong. I'm sorry. It takes that theme and subverts it. Right. Uh, but it also the language is absolutely Homeric. I mean, he's digging. Melville is digging deep into the lexicon. He is he is searching through the box, uh, the toolkit, right? For 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 all for everything he can find that will help him in his attempt to tell this amazing story. Uh, Shakespeare, Faulkner, mm. McCarthy, you know, in a lesser sense, right? I mean, it's just. It's just the language is just it just crackles. 
Right. Like you, you, it's just, there'll be, there'll be 20 pages, let's say of rather commonplace English words. And then this, and then the character, let's say, will perhaps fall into a, a fever state and suddenly just it's like it's like you're standing in some desolate runic countryside in in in, in the Heb in Hebridean Scotland mm-hmm. and there's no electricity and no one around and the and the sky darkens and lightning is coming out of this of the of these of these swole bellied clouds, you know, and, and, and you start to you start to hear somebody calling your name and your mother's voice over the heaths and it's just that's the kind of like whoa like you know themes be damned you're being affected right right yeah you're being affected this is meat this is blood this is this is sex this is heat and like you you fuck you know one thing i I appreciate about tony morrison was her balls she go she was she got in trouble for this actually a little bit she says no one no one can criticize my work my work is above criticism well, I don't think that's true. Oh yeah, yeah. While I don't think that's true, object. I do. I do admire that. Like that's what all writers should ascribe to. This, this, just, just this. Fu- try to resist uh-huh. this. Like this was the most boring thing I've ever read in my. I, I was so. Switzerland is a dry mess. Interesting, <laughs> so, but. Obviously, it's it's not objectively. I'm I'm exaggerating. It, it was a little boring. It picked up, but it was boring at times. And I found myself wondering, like, is the New Yorker like the state of American politics? Like, you know, you know, uh, 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 100 million intensely literate Americans, let's say or 100 million actually literate, fully literate Americans. And among them. Uh, let's say 20 million passionately literate Americans. I'm just making up a number. Let's just say right out of those 20 million, we get this really, we get uh-huh. Trump by in the New York, like, come on. It was just, it was just, it's, it seems to me more and more that the New Yorker is an industry vehicle. It's just a vehicle for people in the industry who are the gatekeepers have let them in for whatever reason. And they're just, they're just trying to eke a living out. They're trying to afford their fucking outlandish rents in their, you know, neighborhoods where no black people live. It's just, I'm serious. I'm dead. I'm a hundred percent. No, I, I'm not. I'm laughing because I, I, I get that. I wonder about, I want to interview or send an email to them. Yeah. To, to, and be asked like, what is, how do you choose these pieces? How does this come about? Because of the, like, even when I started reading this piece, mm-hmm. Switzerland. So I guess we're going to get into it now. We're just going to get into it. We're going to dive head first. I know I, I took your question and I went crazy with it. But to answer <laughs> your question, I don't really mind our contemporaries or our our, our immediate antecedents, you know, older yeah. writers who are still writing. I don't look to them for inspiration. I look to uh I look to Faulkner, I look sure. to Henry Miller, I look to uh James Baldwin, uh I look in and so forth, you know, for, mm. for inspiration. Yeah, right. as it were. I, 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 I like I like the fact that we're reading these new pieces to see more what people like. Uh, fiction is always such a weird medium because it's always late compared to other types, right? Because it takes so long to produce a book, it takes so long to produce a short story that by the time it's out, in a way, it's already like old because there's people that are producing new things. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Sure. 
Right. So but, I always thought that was like movies are like that too. Mm-hmm. Often pieces of music are like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I find literature to be in some ways more so. I mean, because it's a field I know better. I don't listen to music. I don't really have much time for movies or television shows or anything, but I've, you know, studied this for a while, went to school for it. So I've seen how long it takes to produce a piece. So if you're writing about something now, then like present day right now, then by the time it comes out, it's, it's already old. It's not about the time now anymore. And other people are producing other things. So I always thought that was interesting. I've kind of gone off on what I was trying to say, but I guess I was trying to see what the reason why I'm glad we're doing this is to see what people are doing around now as well, right? Because these people have the same foundations we do in some way. They have Moby Dick. They have uh, Blood mm-hmm. Meridian. You know, they have those yeah, books. specifically that... referenced Borges, who was yeah. one of my favorite. Nicole Krauss, uh-huh. the author of this piece, she, she referenced Borges, who I absolutely slavishly admire. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've, read, I've read his collected fictions more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, some of them more than I've read anything. Yeah, you like you graciously immort- lent me your copy once. <laughs> That's right, I did. Yeah, we were over in Korea. Yeah, that volume made the trip over the, across the globe several times with me, uh-huh. and I read it on the plane, so I wouldn't think about falling out of the sky, <laughs> yeah. which is what one a neurotic like me thinks about on a plane. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, Jesus, so- I remember how you comforted me that last night in Korea, man. I was a fucking wreck. I remember looking out your apartment window and seeing clouds gathering and I'm like, oh my God. You're like, buddy, buddy, it'll be all right. Let's go get a drink. <laughs> we went down to, to home day and got a drink, got some meat, got some barbecue. We spent a, we spent, I think we spent our last time at Nuba together yeah. that night, the, yeah. uh, the really progressive uh, craft beer bar in mm-hmm. home day. Yeah, that was fun. It kind of felt like was- you went into a cave, a cement cave, the way they designed it with... You know, a little bohemian with the uh, melted candles that are just accumulating, mm. the wax accumulating over the once candlestick that's now like a foot of wax. Yeah, good place. Uh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the way I comfort, right? You want you you want a drink? <laughs> you want to go yeah. for a go for a round? <laughs> Let's go for a drink. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Wouldn't uh, have it any other way. Yeah. Well. Well, actually. We're speeding along here. I actually wanted to talk a bit about um, uh, night, uh, like death terrors, because I mentioned before that it's something I've been experiencing, but I don't know if we necessarily have time to do it today. But it, it kind of connects in this story in a weird way, in that. Um, Let's weave it in then. Let's weave it in. I've been. Let's weave it with the W, I'm sorry. Not leave yeah, it in. I mean, leave, leave it, it in. in. <laughs> we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah. Yeah. Old, Anyways, that's my pop culture reference is Fox News and other newscasters. So, you oh, my God Jake bless Tapper. It, it, it's, hmm? Oh, God. What a mess. <laughs> yes, he is. What a, what a mess. Um, so, Six foot four mess. I know. <laughs> Whatever he is. He's like, a, he's, a, he's like a, what is it? A flop sweat of a man, in my opinion. He's just kind of... Anyway. Um, so the way... I've been writing a lot about and thinking a lot about memories because uh, I've been, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but the way, and I've been having the night terrors now that, uh, not night terrors, death terrors, which is, you want to explain it to everybody because you did it so eloquently before? 
Oh, uh, well, it's just this for myself. It's this sudden and paralyzing imagination of what death is. Mm. And for myself, it takes on the character of a paradoxical character, um, which is usually what helps snap me out of it, is that I imagine nothingness in duration, mm. which this eternal nothing, like this, 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 you know, this, this senseless prison, you know, where you're, you're, you're just dead forever, you know, and the, yeah. and, and I imagine like planets turning, I imagine, you know, uh, seasons passing. Mm. I imagine people I know getting older. Down, and, but it, so it doesn't make any sense. It's it's like, oh well, if you're if you're nothing, then you're not conscious of the passing of time. Right. But nonetheless, yeah. in that in that acute horror, that that mm. that panic moment, you just get this horrible sense of being dead. Yeah, it's. I think everybody uh, you know. experiences it differently in some ways. It's it's trying to comprehend what not existing after having existed is. Yes, and, yes, yes. And you sit up sometimes. You sit up and tears are just – you. like one time I, I sat up like from a, from a reclining position and like there's like tears, but I'm not crying. And I go, oh, oh. Like yeah. that, like I'm like, oh, oh, all right, all right, you know. And I actually said to myself, "Once well, you're not there yet, you're not there yet." Mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, so very... it's, a, it's a real. It's like it's like a it's like a sharp panic. It's what it's, it is. It's a yeah. very flash panic. And it makes me wonder if it's connected to like other health, like mental health issues, more because it's like a it's a panic attack in some ways. Oh, absolutely. And and, absolutely. and I used to when I was younger, panic attacks would cause it, right? Oh my god. Yeah. So, um, but recently what it's been is I'll give you an example. Um, I told you once I had it, I had one and they're fleeting. They're very quick. They're like, they come and I get that sharp pain and then life just kind of allows me to take it. And I had it recently at a, uh, while I was getting a haircut, which is, odd. Oh God. yeah, it was not, it was, it was not great. Um, but the way it happened recently, the way I'm going to explain it and when it has to connect with memories is, um, I remember the beginning of the summer. Right. And I told Hyunjung that this, this year's just been flying by. And I told her that uh, before you know it, I remember pushing Aurora in her like tricycle, walking down by the house. And I told her by the end, but it's just Chusok is going to be here like that. Mm-hmm. And then last week, Chusok was here. And mm-hmm. what I remember about that is not the summer, but is the moment I told Hyunjung that Chusok is coming. And how that connects is that I'm constantly, and, and it just goes by like that, right? Like, so the thing that I learned, or the thing that I know, is that all we have is now. There's no really such thing as tomorrow. You know, I remember there was an athlete that says, you try your best because there's always going to be a tomorrow. And if you do bad today, there's tomorrow. But there's not. Tomorrow is like an idea that we have. Right. And what happens to me is that I realize that one day there's going to be a moment when I'm on my deathbed. And the moment that I'm going to remember is not my daughter, is not Hyunjung. It's going to be me imagining myself on my deathbed. Mm, Jesus. (laughs) And my life. I don't know if it's going to really be that way though. 
No, I know, but that's how this is happening now. That my last moment in life will be me imagining my last moment in life. I, I, I don't think you'll have much control over what you imagine. Now, I'm not trying to mollify you, <laughs> you know, in a cheap yeah. way. I'm not being mm. sincere when I say mm. this. I don't think you'll have control over what you think. Mm. Uh, I don't think we have control over what we think anyway, uh, or at least we have a lot less control than we think we do. But mm -hmm. insofar as you're in that poignant moment of death or dying, like the, Louis C.K. made a great joke once, like no one thinks this is it because they don't, you can't think it when it's final, right? You're already yeah. dead by the time. So he's like, this is probably it. <laughs> That's everyone's last thought. This is probably it. Right. You know, no. and it's, it was, it was, my, but I my think image I, is like of living a full life and dying on a deathbed, right? Like, who knows? You get hit by a car. There's lots of things that could happen. You could go in your sleep. It could be who knows how our bodies and minds change over time to prepare us for death. That's another thing. We don't. We, this is me. Well, dealing yeah, there's with it now. death states where we where our brain actually can uh, kick us into a certain lassitudinous state. Yeah. Where we accept. Like there's some forms of death where there's that luxurious sort of euphoria. Um, I think drowning yeah. uh, is one of the choking to death, uh, you know, uh, getting shot and bleeding out, you know, things like that, you know, mm. uh, dramatic, death. obviously get, getting your head shot off. There's no chance for that. <laughs> there's certain forms of death where, you, you know, it's just lights out. Um, uh you know, it's just it's just a fascinating thing, isn't it? That there's a literal there's a literal chest of treasures in our head, and we lose all of that. It's all gone. Yeah. And some one it'll just go, it'll just all turn off. It's just I I you know, and I don't think I'll ever understand that. Insofar as I already understand, right? I, I don't I don't <laughs> think I'll ever understand like how it can be that this absolute miracle of consciousness goes away. Yeah, it's I, we're, we're experience-based beings, right? Like our experiences of existing to comprehend mm -hmm. not existing, even though, like in the history of the world, history of time, we haven't ex we we are like a like like less than a sawdust speck in that. But to understand that, I mean, we have not existed before. We don't won't remember not yes. existing. That's an amazing. Uh, perspective not a lot of us take that for 14 billion years at least you know uh, the, the cosmos was carried on uh -huh. the cosmos uh, expanded according to uh, endemic laws mm -hmm. according to physical laws and we just kind of emerged from space time from different physical uh, uh, interactions in space time, and we attenuate, and we 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 peter out, and we die. It's just a, it's just it's an amazing thing that fourteen billion years preceded us, at least fourteen billion. I mean, there's these other 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 universe hypotheses and so forth. Sure, uh, but you know, it, there may be even older parts of the universe in a different dimension, like four dimensions or five dimensions, dimensions we can't perceive. <laughs> You know, it's just, but let's just say for the sake of argument that in three dimensions, you know, 14 mm -hmm. billion years, what the fuck? That's a long ass time to have no <laughs> Daryl and no Brett, you know, and, uh, you know, and then for, for a brief, brief, brief period of time, uh, 
um, that 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 Oswald Spengler once described as a a a, a blinding light between pressing eternities. I think that was how he expressed it. You know, the fluorescence of life. Uh, here we are, and then we go again. But so for, like you said, for Marx, Marx, oh yeah, I do. Yeah, Ultimately, I, I do. I want it. I, I I want it. I I don't. Then not now, the death maybe. Terrors. Then then what? what the death the... terror is just another sign of me not being fully in control of myself. Mm-hmm. I am a I am an organism that seeks to perpetuate itself above all things, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have control over all my conscious and unconscious states. So mm. the death terror arises from the fact that I am, uh, programmed to be, to avoid death. Right. And I also abuse. So my, my, my neuroticism, my negative mm. feelings are, 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 are more concentrated and more present than they are in others. So it's kind so, of like me whereas, saying, sorry, continue, I interrupted. No, 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 you, you interrupted me at a good time, I really didn't have much else to say on that point. <laughs> I was just going to say, so it kind of goes back to what I was saying about it might be something to do with other mental health issues or like panic Well, you hit the nail on the head earlier, yeah. Um, and I'm curious if, if listeners, please let us, like I'm curious if other if you experience it and how you experience it. Because I honestly felt I was in the dark for a long time, experience. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one, really. I mean, obviously, I if I thought about it, I would imagine that other people felt it. But it's it was such a singular fear, huh? What are what are friends for? Say <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one with death panic. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, I'm afraid I'm gonna die. Me too. Let's drink. Oh okay. yeah, bro. <laughs> death brothers for life, or. So, or death. <laughs> uh, so, shall we get into Switzerland now? Boom. Yes, we shall. All right. So, we got a pose. Do you have one in the arsenal? Because I don't really think about these, but I should really think Me about neither. It. <laughs> Let's just do it. Ready, set, go. All righty there. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I disappeared. Phone dropped. Okay. So we don't, we have exactly half an hour and I have my prissy here yes. and I'll get through it. Um, I've, I should warn every, I only, I usually try to read these things at least twice, but this week's been condensed, suppressed, oppressed. So I've only been able to read it once. So when writing fiction, an author better have a good reason for their choices as the conf. Oh, I'll start it again. When writing fiction, an author better have a good reason for their choices they make as the confines of the medium demand it. There isn't the space for metaphors that do nothing but create a pretty picture or the inclusion of characters because you like the way they talk. Switzerland by Nicole Krauss is a damn fine example of this. So often for this show, the New Yorker has offered up unfinished bits of stories hacked from forthcoming novels for us to be bored over, but that is not the case with today's story. It's a complete package from first word to final period. It comes at you fast and hard with details in the first-person narrative told by a woman who's in her 40s about the time she was 13 living in a sort of boarding house in Switzerland with two older... um, uh, Two older... Uh, teenage girls. They're 18. Marie from Thailand and Sora, a Persian living in uh, Persian from Paris. 
The nameless narrator tells of her year living in that house with two older girls who were moved there by their families to try and calm their wild ways. And they tell the narrator of their sexcapades who doesn't exactly understand the gravity of them due to being 13. Sora's dating men and some boys her age while in Switzerland, but you get the sense that it isn't necessarily in the pursuit of like relationship or companionship, but for some sort of like challenge. She then tells the narrator that one day while out to lunch with family, a businessman leaves her a 500 franc note on her table um, with his hotel room on it. And she actually goes to, I think it's a franc. I don't remember the currency. And she goes to see him. She strikes up a relationship that hints of violence with this businessman. Um, and he leaves her instructions at the front desk at the hotel for her to follow. And he pays her for it. It doesn't feel like prostitution, but that's essentially what it is. One day, she doesn't come home. She is lost for two nights. And when she finally does return back to the Swiss house, her makeup is smeared. Her father, who is like the former um, civil engineer, some sort of uh, professional under the Shah, uh, her father takes her presumably back to Paris, and the narrator never sees her again. Except she sees... oh. And except for uh, the story comes back to her because of her daughter. She has a 12-year daughter, and she sees Sora in her daughter. The same understanding of power that... Um, and the story is essentially about this challenge that Sora embodies. The same understanding of the power some women have over men... Uh, oh, sorry. I messed it up. I wrote this quickly. So she sees in her daughter this uh, understanding of the power some women have over men and her pupupescent daughter. There's a naivety to the narrative, even in her 40s, that I find refreshing and applaud the writer for being able to pull off. She sees the attitude of Sora, that of her daughter, pushing the limits of their power to see how far it can go. On this episode of Boozing Through New Yorker, her eyes were winged with eyeliner, and she had a downy mustache that she made no effort to conceal because she must have known that it added to her leer. Switzerland by Nicole Krauss. Nicole. Nicole Krauss. Nicole. Nicole Krauss. Now, it was the daughter at the end that sold it for me. Yeah, the story ended strong. The story ended strong. Um, It started off really good, too. It's been 30 years since I've seen Soraya. Mm. It's like, nice. All right, well done. Start took about 20 minutes of tacky exposition where there's not a single memorable line in the entire work. All the beginning, oh, just all the exposition. I just, I really, I, I I put it down and I, I don't, I I said at one point, I just, I don't have time for this. That's interesting. I don't have time for this. Stop it. Stop it. Stop painting these, these scenes of, of, casual wealth and just mm. i don't want to hear it is, in other words it's like i'm being i'm being you know led by a, a, a snobby docent through the breakers like one of these vanderbilt mansions in newport like i'm just yeah. like oh god can we just get to getting to the main loggia please so i can look out at the sea it's that just it's just me too that, that like oh, i don't want to read about rich people who have kids in Switzerland generally like yeah. I don't give a damn about their trials and tribulations of dealing with so much oh and oh I have company 
Oh, hold on one second. Yeah, sure. I don't usually uh, have people come here. Anyways, so, um, 10. Oh, fuck off, 10. Oh, God. <laughs> that fucking dog. <laughs> so, okay, so we have uh, back, Bally Bally. Oh, dog. Uh, um, what was yeah, I don't care about this, generally speaking, and I usually don't care about power games. Like, mm. like the, the story that I get, I see a lot of young female writers j write often enough, not every single one of them is about like a teacher, a student seducing a teacher. They, there's a lot of this sex power play I've noticed in, in years ago when I was in creative writing at university. And this kind of deals with that a little bit too, but it's not the same in my opinion. It's more personal. And it's not just yep. about the fun of it it's, or like the interest or the sex, the, the titillation of it. There's more about self-exploration in it that I thought was. And, and, it, and it, I learned from it. It was from somebody who really understood what this would feel like that I'm not privy to, mm -hmm. you know, and what it might be right. like. And I, I thought that was, I, I like that. Well, it's, it's just curious too that, that, that it's sexuality, apparently, for it to be interesting in literary fiction, is for it to be venal uh -huh. or pathetic. Venal or pathetic. Like, it's not Do you have an the example? one. Well, in this story, right. for instance, the protagonist eventually gets married and has two kids, and uh -huh. all that we know about the man she chooses is the color of his hair. But and that we gentle. know that this, this okay, uh, this venal, corrupt, you know, uh, abusive, philandering, pedophilic banker. Mm. We, we, we know all about him. We hear all about, or, or, you know, and then we have these pathetic, lovelorn, you know, exchange students who don't kiss right or who, you know, they aren't what the girls think. It's like there's just no what what's amazing about the thing is that how how casually we're introduced to how fucked up young girls are actually. Like we're 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 magnetized toward the banker because what he's doing is so obviously corrupt and wrong. Right. But it's the girls who are sick too. And like they're just so sick. Like but but it's 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 natural. It's portrayed as just something that happens. Mm -hmm. I think I think Nicole Krauss's intention was for us to look at at the violence inherent in the male gaze and, and, and male desire. But by the end of the story, I'm left with the uncomfortable feeling that it's the point of it is how women invited to sharpen their own tool knives in their drawer to make themselves like. You bear like you you you're a young woman. Stop. You have an inner fire. You have a directedness. You know men. So men look at you, right? 
Mm-hmm. So you're 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 a woman. You're you're attractive in whatever way. Then men look at you, and they want to fuck you. So now you have essentially two choices. One, the protagonist way, which is to run away from it and hide. Or two, which is Soraya's way, which is to hold your head high, thrust your shoulders back, and to just take it. To hone yourself. Right? Yeah. Hone yourself. Like, do your best. Bite me. You're just a kitten, after all. You look like a saber-toothed tiger. You look like a fierce predator. You can beat me, you can fuck me in the ass, you can tie me up, you can gag me, you can make me call your wife up and pretend to be, you know, somebody, you know, whatever. But in effect, you're just a, you're just a kitten. You can't hurt me. And that's an interesting, that's an interesting takeaway. I mean, and I don't, I don't think I make that, I don't think I say that lightly. I think the story really invites you to think that way. Hmm. Like what is it about what is it about the that Soraya that makes the protagonist think about her thirty years later to in fact kind of not search for her in Paris as a twenty something year old, mm. but to at least be in her imagined proximity. Right. What is it? It's it's this idea that that you know which is again, I don't even know if this is it if it's this is a correct characterization but give me your best shot men i can take it and in fact you're you're much less mm-hmm. than my worst fears and it's just it's just a very interesting perspective you know that that you know i've been i've been hit on by gay men for instance i was never afraid of them mm-hmm. but Women are often afraid of the men who hit. Not often, but they can be afraid of the men who hit on them. And it's the same thing. It's a man hitting on someone. And in this case, another man in my case, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm 6'3", 240 pounds. And throughout my life, I've been 6'3", anywhere from 6'3", 170 to 6'3", 240, which I am now. And I was never afraid, at least not in a physical sense. Right, you, you know, didn't a, think you would be no, threatened. I didn't think they, I didn't think they had any chance beating me up and raping me. In right. other words, um, but I've talked to m- many women about this. In fact, because it's a fascinating subject for me, and it's this idea that yeah, of course we go to the bathroom in pairs. We just never know when one of these are going to come out of the woodwork. Like, mm. and and you know, and it's just, it's just Jesus Christ. Okay. But it's interesting that in this story, a like every almost every male character is either a a, 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 a sick pedophilic madman or a mopey dopey loser, you know who doesn't kiss right or whatever, you know. And it's just it's just so interesting. It's like, well, what's what are we what are we saying here? It seems that the protagonist wishes she could take a beating. I was like, God damn, that's a I fucking, didn't... that's a hell of a fucking thesis. If I'm, I'm, I'm probably uh, wrong, but you know, I, and I of didn't course, take that away from it. That's really. Would you take I, away? Would you take away? I mean, well, for one, I really, I, I was, I, I focused a lot on the construction of it, and I like the exploration of 
because she says at the end that she kind of envies her daughter, right? Like she right. envies the look. Well, what she's saying is she envies Sora's strength in a way. And I thought that was an interesting naivety, naivete, because we don't actually know what happened in those two days that they were gone. And I think wasn't that's anything important. Good. No, it wasn't, wasn't anything, anything good. good. But because she touched her, she has this idea that uh, she she wasn't broken by what happened. And um, there's, it's framed as the first interaction really with a man is, um, is she's 13 on the streets of Geneva and a man just comes up to her and says, I could break you in half. And that's kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hundred percent real. Yeah, men that kind of shit all the fucking time, thinking they can get away with it, thinking that there's just no, yeah. She said that to a little, the, girl, too, to a little is, girl. Like that's awful. Imagine doing that to a, going up to anybody, pigs. let or alone pigs. a thirteen are, year old. Whether you're gay or straight, men are absolute pigs. Yeah, and we are by nature, and it's just no. But you know. Talking to you now reminds me that this this story does have a classical antecedent. It's but it's 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 delightfully subversive. Mm-hmm. Even though it is, I still think it's more boring than it needs to be at times. But it does have as a, like the idea of a of a young hero going into a dragon's lair, isn't it? I was thinking of the story that you really liked when we did this. Mm. Um, the, the one that took place in Africa, but the, um, mm. you know, the, the, and I was thinking of that, the, the going through the crucible what? and either yeah. you come back stronger or you come back broken. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you, 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 what, what, what I really don't like about this story though, is that we don't, so Soraya goes into the dragon's lair more than once, you know. She tempts it. And, you know, and, and she finally confronts him, as it were. Like, she, she pisses him off by, you know, not leaving when the, his wife calls, you know. Uh-huh. And, in a sense, mocking him. So he does something nasty to her, awful, that we don't know. And she comes back, disheveled but alive and proud. Uh-huh. But we don't know. We don't know what happens after that. Like, what's the point of what's the point of this? I mean, this is the thing: is are are the characters just not so pathetic? Like, just these rich, sheltered fuck ups who they gallivant around as if there's no. They smoke. They fuck. They're just sassy rich bitches. They're just That's- fucking. They're rich it, right? jerks, like, and they just, they, you know, they flirt with danger, and one of them finally gets, you know, gets in trouble for it. She she thankfully survives. We don't know what the whole point of it was. There's no lesson gleaned from it. Mm. It just makes, it just makes the protagonist jealous and confused. Oh, great. Okay. So what? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? I didn't like this character to begin with. I don't like this protagonist. She's a rich, unconscious fucking bitch. So what do I care? What do I care? Like, I don't understand. Like, are you trying to say that 
men are raping crazy people? Okay. Are you trying to say that it's important for us to face our fears? Mm. Okay. So what? What we're left with is at the very last paragraph, we have this weirdly pedophilic segment mm. where it's like this 12-year-old girl is like sitting up straight and, and taunting some pervert by staring back at him without looking away on the subway. I don't – what's what's mm. the point? I don't understand what the point is. That's why I was left with the only conclusion is like, well, do we – run away from raping perverts or do we let them rape and beat us and then we survive hope we survive stronger like like i don't understand what the okay. point of the story is it's a very odd first of all it's just not true it's just not true that men are either losers or maniacs it's just not true it's fine i didn't because it's a short i didn't take away the fact that men are either one or the other Right, because there's just other men, though. Well, there's a father. There's a father. There's a father. I'm, yeah, that's... and and the boy that she kisses, she's the violent one, not him, and she ignores his gaze at the end, uh, in the hallway. There's a point yeah, in the story. He's yeah, and yeah, and he's sad. Yeah. And she says that she picks gentle men who are afraid of her a little, right? Right, and. Right. I, I think that because it's a short story, you have to leave out things that, you know, like aren't necessary, I guess, right? Or maybe not not necessary. You have to pick and choose, right? So the men that she includes are all these violent men. But I, I didn't leave the story thinking that she thought all men were violent because she gets married quicker than she has a bunch of boyfriends afterwards, marries sooner yeah. than she intended, had two kids, one right after the other. That's uh, true. That's true. There are quite a lot of men in the background who aren't so bad. Yeah. Or aren't so pathetic either. They're just kind of normal. And while she tries to live like Sora, she says, I've done these things. I took these risks with men that I wouldn't have if I didn't know her. And not all of them were that one, you know, kind of lunged at her. And another one was like, why are you going to some guy's house you've just met and you didn't know their name of? Like, what are you like? Uh, if I remember correctly, there was something like that. Yeah, but I think, I think this is a, yeah, I think I think that's the same guy though. I think he. Oh, <laughs> my He's another creep. He was another creep. Uh, like, why are you alone with me? And she's like, oh god. So as soon as she got <laughs> out of the truck, she did, and she ran up to her apartment. Uh, um, you know, and I could be wrong. I could be, you know, you know, I can imagine that a rebuttal would be. Yeah, a lot of men are this crazy. You know, I've I've been with twenty guys and fifteen of them were aggressive and crazy. Shit, I don't I don't think your experience is normal though. I don't think I I, I think that most times straight people interact, it's usually just no chemistry or one tires of the other. There's no, you know, it's no like grabbing of wrists and I, I'm going to finger blast you, you know, fucking some rich guy, you know, propositioning a girl half his age. It is Switzerland, so it's weird. It's, it's a weird place, <laughs> right? Like, it's, she refers to it as a sanitarium. And and it's, it's a place of many languages that's a haven for rich people, criminals, you know? Like, where do you, where do you think the, the, 
uh, Kim Jong-un would send his offspring. Where did Kim Jong-un go? He went to Switzerland for go. school, right? He went to Basel, I think, or something like that, yeah. Which is where um, they live in the story. Um, though she they, she goes to school in... Her family lives in Basel. She Genève. goes to school yeah. in Geneva or whatever Geneva. it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the wealth because that is a that is such a problem with oh. books for me nowadays right like why do i care what if this book this story took in place in let's say harlem and as opposed to rich people it was uh people who came from hard families that are working hard just to make ends meet and the children uh, in this area, are as opposed to living in a like a house where they go to school, they are like kids that are under parents that hang out together in the streets, where men from the city, yep. come to pray. Yeah, upon some them. white banker puts a five hundred dollar, you know, five hundred dollars on this black waitress's, you know, uh, table, as it were, and mm. with an address. It's, it would be a lot different. But you still different. have the same she'd have, issue she'd have of to vote power. In hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot different. You know. Mm-hmm. And you just imagine too that, you know, these the consider the to consider the, the motivation for a poor black teenager to go downtown mm-hmm. to, you know, get sodomized or hung upside down and you know, burned with candles, whatever the fuck was going on in that hotel room, this depraved bastard was doing, she'd have to do it because she needed the money. In this case, she didn't need the we money. just, we have, a, we have an almost inexplicable young woman mm-hmm. testing her powers for reasons she might not even understand. You never met a girl yeah. that was interested in, like, these types of situations? I oh have, sure, I have. Yeah. I have met in, uh, girls that were interested in who would see that situation. Who, if that happened to her, she may consider taking the five hundred bill just for the like, just as, out of curiosity, out of the, right. you know, out of the. You follow. You take your on. full measure. You follow the through to the end. Yeah, but I just wish that there was some kind of. I just wish that maybe I'm old fashioned, but I wish there was some kind of conclusion aside from the the obvious one where we have a, you know, the protagonist is basically raising Mm. her old friend, you know, like, oh, my own daughter's like this now. God damn. So it's like this, this, I just don't, I I finished the the story. I'm like, yeah, so what? I just don't know what is being said here. Mm. And I, I, again, my only conclusion is, is that young women have a choice. If you're, if you're an attractive young woman, you have a choice. You either run away from the rapist until you find the right person, mm-hmm. or you face them down. You, you, you face them down. You, you insist on your, your pride. You know, and it's an interesting thing to consider that. An attractive young woman has no choice but to be that. So she's a she. It's like you're a light. That's a young woman is mm. almost like a light shining, mm. and she's illuminating her surroundings and making her surroundings nicer. 
but she can't help. She can't help but be noticed. This yeah, she can try to wear sweatpants and she can wear a hat low over her eyes, but she's a light. Maybe that's the point of the story. Like young ladies, you're a light. Like you know, you you have to. You have to be conscious of how ugly it can get out there. You have to know how bad it can get. You have to know that there are married rich men who want to pervert you precisely because there's nothing you can do about it. They want to, they want, you have to realize that there are men out there who are dressed well and they speak well and they'll whisper in your ear, I could break you in half with one hand. Right. Maybe that's it. Like young, like attractive young women you have no choice but to be noticed. So how are you going to handle it? The evidence against that in the book is in the last. uh, And I mean, uh, maybe not evidence against it, but in the end of the story, she says that her daughter has black hair, green eyes, almost by her own will. Hmm. Like right, like she almost will. Like we don't pick our looks. Like how we look is what she says. But her daughter, it's like her daughter almost picked what she looked like because she understood the because of the effect it will have. Is mm. that is, am I summarizing maybe, it correct? Maybe you're just asking for trouble. Then I mean I don't like that because mm. for, for a white male to say that about it, I just sound like. You women are asking for it. You know, it just, just doesn't doesn't sound good when when a white guy says it. You know, it just. But maybe that that if that it's if it's if if the text and author intentionality kind of enforces or reinforces your reading of it, then I don't have the balls to repeat it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't rather, know if she I've was, already said rich bitch. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think it's as concrete as you say it is necessarily, but I could be wishful thinking. You know, like I don't just because I like the. Imagine if she didn't end this story with a mention. Like she could have ended it without the child, mentioning her daughter, and she could have ended right. it. And I looked for her once and then never again. And every once in a while, these mercurial fleetings of Sora pass through my mind. And I wonder, I wonder. And I could end well, just that. why not? Sorry, sorry. I cut you no, off before you were no, done. No, I, I was. Proposing. Well, just why not have Soraya back in the story? Is it so, is it so implausible? To have her them meet up in Paris when they're both in their twenties, you know they're rich, <laughs> they're rich and they're foreign. Of course they're going to bump into each other in, in Paris. Of course they are. Right. This, you know, it's a small like it's just of rich people. It, it's a very small town if you're foreign and rich. It's a very small town indeed. There's a couple of hotels. That's mm. it. Like it's yeah. just not. It's not a. It's not a giant conurbation when you're rich and foreign. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a few places. It's like 10 places. You know, I bumped into her in the fucking triangle in front of the Louvre. Yeah, of course you did. I hate that. I hate that idea. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I saw her <laughs> go to the bathroom and fucking in the Ritz Carlton or whatever the fuck, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's just, 
you know, why not? Why not have them meet again? You're right, but why have the daughter be the I, be the friend? Yeah, I kind of I like that as an ending because it gives it the purpose of why it's being told in a way. Like, why is it being told now? Because yes. it's first person, right? Yeah. And I, I, that's what I liked about the construction of it. The reason why I said I hate that, I just hate the idea of rich people meeting up at fancy fucking hotels. Oh, oh Wilbur, I haven't seen you so long. What brings you to the plaza in Havana? Good to see you again, old chap. I'll see you next time I'm in Prague. You know, like, it's just like... Uh. And, and I guess <laughs> maybe I'm just sick of rich people as victims. Like, I'm just sick of it. Fuck you. You're rich, you know. Believe me, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't care. Yeah. No, I I get that. I, I, I hope. You know, which is ironic because one of the the books that I wrote that I'm sitting on is the protagonist is the son of a wealthy man. So Mm. I'm in effect criticizing my own writing, which is fine with me, you know. Mm. But um, it's it's just uh, it's, but you know that leaving the rich part to one side. I, I, I really wish that there would have been a, a greater conclusiveness to the story, but mm-hmm. I guess that's how Ms. Nicole Krauss write. I don't know. I've I haven't read it before. I've never. Mm-hmm. She's apparently written four books. Yeah. I, I might uh, look her up and see what else she writes. She, she's written a bit about Tim uh, Philip Roth. She apparently was a, he was a big influence on her. So I'm going to look it up, but next week, We'll be doing this bad boy. Hopefully. Oh, shit. I barely cracked it. <laughs> I've been so I'm, ready to... I'm on page 40, but I've, I've read it before. So I, Ken Casey is an interesting dude. I have his other, one of his other books over here too. Uh, sometimes a motion or something. I don't remember my coffee. I was so strong this morning. I was like, now it's, <laughs> it's beating <laughs> off. Um, yeah. It's been another episode of Boozing. Switzerland. I'm... Switzerland. I'm Daryl. He's Brett. We're Boozing. Give us five stars. Please, five stars. Give them to us. Keep scribbling. Uh. <laughs>